From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square2. Welcome to What's Wrong with Revenue. This is episode 51. And uh, today we're going to be talking about, I know we had a previous episode that kind of covered your sales process a little bit, but today I'm really going to be talking about sales process in terms of its experience and how that can really help you close more uh, new customers and shorten your sales cycle. And uh, my guest today is Kristen Stricker. She's the COO at Square2. And some of you may be wondering, why would the COO be on a show about the sales process. And that is one of the things I want to talk about today. So I think Kristen's the perfect person actually to join the show today. So Kristen, say hi. Hi, everybody. Kristen, okay. um, is this your second or third show? This might be my third. Might be your third. Okay. Bob, Bob was on last week. That was Bob's third show. And we were saying how if you do two more shows, we have to get you the blue velvet jacket like uh oh. Saturday Night Live. You'd be one of the part of the five timers club. So something for you to aspire towards. Um, so, you know, uh, every now and then I will uh, grab a couple of our new clients and ask them, you know, why did they pick square two? And a lot of time the answer is, well, your sales process was just better. And I felt like you really listened to me and I liked, you know, meeting different people and they, they comment on our sales process. Uh, quite frequently. And that has always kind of got me thinking about sales process as a differentiator, sales process. You know, ultimately it's 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 everything when it comes to getting new clients. Like you literally, unless you're self-service, which really most B2B companies are not, and we're talking to most B2B companies on the show today, your sales process is everything. If you're selling a large ticket or a, la a large uh, dollar product or service, if you have a long sales cycle, if your sales sales complex, uh, you need a killer sales process. You really do. It can make or break your company. Uh, the experience that your prospects have with you during your sales process is going to create emotions. It's going to create relationships. It's going to create memories that are going to influence, and in some cases, even dictate whether you win or lose the deal. So, uh, Kristen and I today are going to spend the time with you talking about sales process. What are some of the things you can do to make it more remarkable, uh, how you can use your prospect's buyer journey to help you create a remarkable sales process. We could talk about the buyer journey a little bit. Uh, content plays a huge role in creating a remarkable sales process. So we want to talk a little bit about content. I'll try to pull some, uh, some of the concepts that, that Bob and I talked about last week into the show when it comes to content. Technology is mandatory uh, when you're talking about a long sales cycle that is complex with a lot of touches and a lot of people involved. So if you're kind of just 
winging it from a CRM perspective, you're, you're not thinking about how technology plays a role in your sales process uh, correctly. And you have to track and measure the success of your sales process. Every step along the way, you need metrics and data to, to give you some insight into how well your sales process is performing, how well the salespeople are executing that uh, sales process so that you can make some improvements. And then finally, you really have to have a continuous improvement approach to your sales process. You can't set it and forget it. It's not that kind of uh, exercise uh, across your company. So Kristen, I wonder if you could maybe just start by uh, talking a little bit about your role in the square two sales process, because I think it's fairly unique to have the COO be an, a, a, an integral part of the sales process. And you are. So where do you come in? Uh, what role do you play? Why do you think it helps us close business? Uh, and, and just give us a little bit of commentary on how it, it, it feels to, to have the role you have in, in our sales process. Sure. Uh, so after a prospect in our sales process is qualified in, qualified as a um, uh, a good prospect for square two, then we move into the diagnostic phase. And that's where I step into the process and have a deep dive conversation with our prospects on uh, what they're what they're looking for, what what triggered them to come look for a marketing agency, well, what are their overall business goals and objectives. Many, many times prospects will come to us with thoughts on, I need a website or I need work on my HubSpot instance. Um, but uh, a lot of times too, that's always connected to a larger issue within the organization or a challenge that they're having uh, that they're trying to overcome. So diving deeper into the conversation around, um, you know, what are you trying to accomplish as a business and how is marketing playing a role? And, uh, of course, diving deep into the the thing that they came to talk to us about, but also looking at the other factors that are impacting their overall effectiveness as uh, marketing and sales part of the organization. Um, so my role there, there is to really just listen to the prospect. What are their pains? What are their challenges? What are they looking for um, to assess? And from then our perspective and from our expertise that we can make the right recommendations. But also the, the goal in that meeting too is to understand their definition of success. So if we're um, which is an, another very important nuance. They might come to us with a specific project, but their definition of success in partnering with an agency might be something very different. So all those- yeah, there are, there, Let me just stop you for a minute. There are, there are business outcomes that they're looking for that they don't always articulate in the beginning of the sales process. So to your point, they may be looking for a website. They may be looking for an integration project or to migrate from one- you know, platform to another, or they may be looking for lead generation or demand gen campaign help, but ultimately they have these business goals or these business outcomes that they're trying to deliver on. And it's important for us to get them talking about those so that we understand them, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, um, sorry. And, and, nope. and so after that uh, diagnostic and, and having that conversation with the clients, um, we're able to go forward and start to craft a recommendation. And so therefore, a recommendation isn't based solely on I need this component, but it's more of a strategic recommendation based on what we discussed, what we know about you today. This is what uh, our 
from our perspective, this is what you need to do as an organization to, to get to where you're tracking to be. And again, that definition of success and the business outcomes, we can give a more comprehensive view. Um, so from a sales perspective, um, me coming in at this point, and then I can appropriately scope and, and uh, appropriately identify and determine the budgets that's going to be needed to accomplish what they're asking us to accomplish with them in partnership. Um, and I think that this is just a key integral part of making sure that a prospect feels heard throughout the sales process. And that goes a long way to creating credibility and creating a feeling of safety, right? And a lot of our, our business is a services business. And a lot of that is about people, right? They want to get to know the people that are part of the agency and that will be working with them. And so having this conversation as well, they start to get a sense for me. I mean, Mike, you're also on these calls. Uh, when we have a technical uh, prospect, we bring in our RevOps side. When we have a big website, technical website, we bring in our developer, our head, uh, head of interactive. So they can start to develop some sense of trust. Um, they can ask us questions and um, that goes a long way in, in, in terms of, you know, getting a sense for who they'd be working with. Yeah. So there's a couple of uh, things kind of inside of your comments. First of all, like we do have a discovery call with a salesperson first, right? We're not, you and I are not wasting our time. We're not bringing any other resources into opportunities that are not fairly well qualified and, and good for the company. So I think the discovery call pro, uh, step at the beginning of our process makes a lot of sense for us um, to make sure that we're spending our time at the best prospects. And when that uh, discovery call executes and the information collected there gets uh, added to our CRM, you and I can come to that diagnostic meeting, the second part of our process where we typically get involved. And we already kind of know what was discussed, right? We already know kind of what they're looking for. We already know whether we're talking to the right people or not. We probably know whether they've uh, 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 had some at least preliminary conversations about budget and what it's going to cost to hire us. We have a qualification methodology that we use, pain, power, fit. You know, are we talking to power? Is this a good fit for us in terms of what we want to do and what they want done by us? And do they have pain? Are they are they feeling like this is a high priority project for them as opposed to just someone who's shopping around? you know, just talking to agencies randomly because, you know, maybe they'll want to switch sometime next year. So I think that's an important component too, uh, so that when we get involved, we're not asking the same questions again. We've looked at the notes in the CRM and we're going a little bit deeper. Uh, I, I really like the metaphor of, of when you're picking a doctor because I feel like it's a similar kind of relationship. Maybe other people would argue that, Maybe your your B2B business is a little different, but probably not. Again, we have a long sales cycle. We have a complex sale. The investment and marketing programs are, are usually fairly significant. So again, if you have those same characteristics, this probably is going to resonate with you. When you're looking for a doctor and you make that initial call and you're talking to the practice manager or the person, the, the, the receptionist or whoever's managing the off, office manager, you know, the questions you're asking are very superficial. Do you take my insurance? you know, uh, uh, do you do the kind of services I need done? When When's your first appointment going to be available? Where are you located? You know, they're, they're kind of 
basic qualification questions. And that's a lot like our discovery call is, you know, is this really going to be a good fit for us? Are we the right doctor? Um, you know, can they, do they have the right insurance? Like, can they afford us? Like all those things is, is a lot of what happens in the discovery call. When you make the appointment and then you go into the doctor, the doctor meets with you. And in our case, you know, we might have three doctors meeting with you because of our specialties are a little bit different or our perspectives are a little bit different. And the doctor asks you a ton of questions. And the doctor is going to want to run some tests to, to get some data to see what might be wrong with you to help inform uh, her treatment plan. And that's exactly what we do too. We might want to look inside their HubSpot. We want to look inside their Salesforce. We want to get some analytics from Google. Like we might want to look at their website a little bit. So, you know, we're also trying to run some tests and get some data to inform our uh, recommendations or our treatment plan. But we really have to get to know the patient. We really have to get to know this prospect in a fairly intimate way. And the other benefit of having Kristen in the sales process is she runs she runs the client services team. She runs the team that's going to deliver the services. So to have her hear firsthand from the prospect what their issues are, what they're trying to accomplish, um, for her to put the program together and present it to the prospect, for them to know that she's the person accountable for who they're going to be working with, for her to show up at some client meetings with them, there's a very nice connection to the sales process with the team that's going to also deliver the, you know, the program and the results. So there are a lot of check boxes that get filled in, in a process like this that includes multiple people and has this, this deep dive diagnostic associated with it. I, you know, we also, just like at the doctor, if you went to the doctor and he looked at you and said, Oh, uh, Kristen, like, what's wrong? Oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, okay. I know what's wrong with you. Hold on a minute. Let me write it up. You'd be like, wait a minute. Like, how could you possibly know what's wrong with me? You didn't examine me. You didn't ask me any questions. You didn't take any x-rays. You would be concerned that the doctor actually knows what they're talking about, or they're just trying to rush you out of there so that they can get to their golf uh, outing, right? You know, the same thing happens with us. We have to take enough time with them so that they feel like, they've been heard. And, and when we ask them questions, their guard tends to come down. They like to talk about their business. They like to talk about what they're trying to accomplish. They're very comfortable with that topic. Um, and we use that to create, start to create the relationship with them that we're going to need to get them to say yes at the end of the sales process. So there's so many good things that happen in that meeting um, associated with our sales process that it's worth covering them here with, with you guys also. Uh, you know, what happens after that is probably equally interesting. A, we, we have a set of touches that are mapped out for the entire sales process. So again, you know, we, we're big believers, and we do this work for clients, but we're big believers in, in creating a documented sales process that everyone understands. The salespeople understand it, client services people understand it, marketing people understand it. It's, it's visual. Everybody is working from the same picture in terms of what happens and when it happens. Um, that helps you build in those steps that you need to create that really amazing experience. So we send videos, we send case studies, we send um, uh, supporting information in context to issues that the client might be having. So, you know, to Kristen's point, if they are looking for help with a website, we might send them some educational materials on, you know, 
how to do a really solid website strategy, how to make sure your website converts visitors into leads, how to make sure your website gets found by Google. Um, today, how, how to make sure your website is lightning fast because that's very important to Google. So um, we, we inform them along the way in a very systematic way. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss from the sales process perspective. Uh, I like to say never send a naked email. That basically means if you're emailing your prospect anything, there should be some kind of educational material that goes along with it, or at least a link to something educational so that you can continue to uh, advise them and help them all the way through the process. So I don't monopolize the conversation, Kristen. What, what can you add to what we're talking about? Uh, and just to your point of you know the, what, what we send after that initial diagnostic call and then through the recommendations process and so forth. So it's not just random videos. So it, it, we pick out clients just like you, right? So again, creating a better sense of trust and credibility that we've worked with uh, people that were in similar industries or uh, with similar needs. Um, so it's all very uh, tailored to make sure that we're we're showing we're showing them, not just telling them that we do have this experience and expertise. Um, so you know, making sure that you do have a variety of different materials that you can, you know, as closely personalized as possible based on the industries and the segments that you do serve, uh, so that you can continue to build that relationship and that credibility. Yeah, I think that's a really good point on the personalization. Also, I was working on a blog article today on sales process improvements and personalized video is one of the things that I talked about in the blog article. Today, it's very easy to, to do personalized videos. And um, sometimes, it, you know, a stock video, like we, we have a reference reel at the end of our sales process. So when clients are about to ask for references, we proactively send them a reference reel. That's not personalized. That is, it is clients like them who have done similar projects in similar industries, but in other places we're sending personalized videos that go along with maybe, you know, an email that we might be sending. People don't want to read. People would rather watch. People don't remember what they read as well as what they watch. People get a little more emotionally connected when they see videos as opposed to having to read kind of, you know, cold emails. It's very hard to get emotion and context in an email it's much easier when you're speaking um you know more naturally so we, we leverage those personalized videos you can literally click a button in hubspot you can record a video and you can send it out as part of the email that you're sending to keep them moving through the sales process um i also think something else kristen meant, meant, mentioned about the buyer journey is is really critical uh, we do a lot of buyer journey mapping with our clients meaning we want to understand what the different stages are and what issues the prospects have during those different stages. Sometimes that buyer journey map is really only used by marketing. And once it transitions to sales, the, kind, the idea of buyer journey is kind of forgotten. I think that's a big mistake. The buyer journey continues once they transition from you know, self-serve and marketing and, and start being handled by the sales reps. So you know, the sales reps have to know when they pick up a lead, they're still in evaluation stage and then they have to go to consideration stage and then they have to go to rationalization and they have to go to decision. And the sales reps have to actively manage those prospects through those stages. And, you know, one of the ways we help sales teams do that is by understanding the questions that prospects have. 
in the beginning, the questions they have are going to be different than the questions they have at the end. And again, having Kristen involved in the sales process is, is good because questions they're asking her, who's going to work on my account? How much time is it going to take for me personally to be involved with you guys? Uh, what kind of things are we going to be doing when we're working together? Kristen can answer those questions at that point in the sales process. And it's, it's different, her answers, because she's responsible for that delivery experience versus a sales rep who might be saying like, oh, it's not going to take hardly any of your time, right? And they may really feel like that in all honesty, but in reality, that might seem a little you know, superficial for me if I'm really looking for a legitimate answer about how much time am I going to need to invest in, in working with Square Two. So, you know, understanding those questions and having content for those questions is very important as part of the sales process. Um, and again, there's lots of ways to do it. We bring Kristen in so that she can talk directly to them and they can get to know her. In other cases, you maybe could send videos of client services or in other cases, you could um, send profiles of people in client services, or you could have a piece of content that explains what it's like to work with your company that gets delivered at the right time in the right place. But, you know, a lot of people ask us, how do I know what content to deliver and when? And the answer to that is 100% aligned with the questions they ask and the buyer journey. It's also why we're big fans of a more detailed buyer journey. If you're simply looking at three stages of a buyer journey, it's not enough to, to map, to create this experience. Uh, engage, what is it? Attract, engage, deliver, or something like that. Like that's a common buyer journey we see in the marketplace. It's just not enough detail to map out the right touches and understand how people feel as they're moving through the buyer journey. Uh, so again, I'm, I'm encouraging some deeper strategy around the sales process as it relates to your prospects buyer journey. Yeah, I was just, you know, going to add that just based on also what you're saying in the buyer's journey is it's, it's one thing to map the questions that they are going to have at each stage. And then it's another to then it's more, it's almost more of a psychological uh, exercise in terms of understanding, okay, is this a conversation, a question that I know is going to need to be answered as we talk, or is this um, information that I need to have content for that I'm going to embed in my recommendations presentation? Or is this a video that I'm going to send right after the diagnostic call? I think that's really where the craft also comes in is really understanding um, how to seamlessly create that experience. Yeah, I agree. You really want it to be elegant and you want it to execute flawlessly and you want them to say, wow, like we have this saying at square two, you know, we, we want to create little wows. We want people to, you know, to, to say, wow, that was great. Um, you know, the same thing, you should be striving for the same thing in your sales process. You really want it to stand out. You want people to notice it in a positive way. You want them to really feel like they're, you know, uh, I like to say on a ride, on a Disney ride, Right. Everything that Disney does is is extremely well thought out from a customer delight perspective. Even when you're standing in the queue, they have misters to keep you cool. They have fans to blow the air around. 
they make the cue so long that you're constantly moving a little bit. You're never just standing there, which can be super frustrating. You're always kind of moving up a couple of steps, keeps you feel like progress is taking place. And in some of the newer rides, they've actually started to create the experience outside of the ride. So, you know, you're looking at things while you're waiting, you know, some, some of the waiting is inside. So you feel like you're on the ride already and you're, you're starting to experience the ride and getting excited about it. It's, it's very similar to that. You want to, you, you really want to try to create this experience that they're not getting from other competitors and one that makes them feel good about working with you. It makes them feel safe. We talk a lot about the goal of the sales process is to make a prospect feel safe. If you want to drill into that a little bit, when they know, like, and trust you, they will feel safe. Uh, the first company to get them to feel safe about their purchase decision is probably the one that's going to get the deal. So um, if they know you, then they, they know you from your website. They know you from the conversations you have. Again, the more people you can bring into the sales process, the more people you can introduce them to, the better they're going to know you. Um, if you can get to know them a little bit personally, that's going to help because they also have to like you, right? Say what you will. If they don't like you in the sales process, they're probably not going to want to work with you. So uh, an elongated sales process, a highly educated sales process, a highly visual sales process, a sales process that shares a lot of content in context to their concerns is going to help them like you. And ultimately, it's going to help them trust you. If they know, like, and trust you, they're going to feel safe and they're going to be more likely to select you. So, you know, there are a couple of, of touchstones that you can use to build the sales process that creates the kind of experience that we're talking about. It just takes a little bit of extra effort. Kristen, I want to talk a little bit about technology. So can you comment a little bit about how someone might use uh, um, a CRM and some marketing automation data like you know, the chronology of pages that someone might have visited or the set of offers they might have downloaded or what some of their online behavior was prior to getting into a conversation with sales. How, how would that information help the sales team deliver a better experience? Sure, just having that context before and making sure your CRM is, is somehow connected to your marketing automation platform and you have easy access to that information um, gives your sales rep uh, you know, all, all the more information to have a really productive, powerful conversation with these prospects, right? So knowing the type of information that they're searching for, that they're looking for, that they have been consuming and engaged with on the website, um, obviously gives you great information in terms of what they're interested in. Um, having the information, you know, if they, depends on how they converted, um, having the information come to you um, in terms of title and, and role within organizations and the type of organization and having that uh, information too at your fingertip just allows you to then personalize out of the gate the sales process for that prospect. So you are coming to the table. You don't have to say blatantly, I see that you've consumed this, but it's all about asking the right questions, right? Sometimes uh, you know, going through a sales process and making that experience great is also just asking the right questions so that that, that prospect even feels like they learned something new, that they weren't expecting that. And that was a really good question that was asked. 
Um, and if you have that, that information that you're armed with, you're better prepared to ask the right questions, drive the conversation in the right way, um, and, uh, you know, and, and make sure that then, again, the materials that you do have, the content, you have the option to then make sure you're sending them the right personalized content. Yeah, there's a lot of good points there. So the first one is, you know, contextual perspective of what they're looking for, right? If I get on a sales call and I'm like, hey, Kristen, how are you doing today? What can I help you with? Like, okay, they now have to basically start telling their entire business life story to get you up to speed on what you might be able to do for them. And honestly, this might've been their third or fourth conversation with a potential provider for this type of service. It's not a wonderful experience, you know, to, to make them start at the beginning, as opposed to someone coming in and saying like, Hey, I, I happen to notice you downloaded this, you know, ebook about website development, right. Or you, you know, I noticed you came to our webinar uh, two months ago when we talked about lead, lead gen for websites, like, it, you know, uh, uh, is it the website that brings you to, to talk to us today? Like what's going on, what's going on with the website? Like right away, you're obviously showing some domain expertise in terms of you, you took the extra effort to understand some of the things that they've signaled uh, an interest in. Uh, secondly, you, you've, you've helped them by narrowing the conversation to those areas that at least on the surface, it appears they're interested in. And you, you've had a really good jumping off point to get right into it with them so that they don't have to necessarily, you know, boil the ocean to get you up to speed on what's going on. Um, you know, you, you've already, you already know what kind of company they are and what industry they're in and where they're located. And maybe you even have a, a decent idea about who their prospects might be that they're trying to attract. Obviously, I'm using all the square two uh, storylines here just for uh, easy, easy sake. Um, and you can even potentially, you know, offer them some content in context to what they, they might be looking for. So right out of the gate, you're having a much more productive conversation than maybe some of your competitors are having. And it's a much more efficient conversation. And one that I think is going to be a lot more appealing to the prospect. Um, you know, if you think about when you're at a party and you meet somebody and they talk about themselves for 15 minutes, you're kind of like, I, who else is here that I could talk to? How do I get out of this conversation? Wait a minute, my, my phone's ringing. Like, you're, you know, like after a couple of minutes, you're, you're done, you're ready to move on. But if you meet someone at a party and they're asking you really good questions about you and you're having good conversation and you're going back and forth and you're learning something and they're learning something and you feel like there's a productive forward moving give and take, you're like, oh, that, that person was pretty interesting. Like, I would like to talk to them again. I might like to spend more time with them. Like, uh, I like them because they were asking me about me. Like, you know, there are some human behavioral elements to this exercise that you have to keep in mind that are important um, when you're building out the sales process and really thinking about it. It's not just about showing up and throwing up. In, in most cases, it's more about how do you get the prospect talking about the things that are important to them? And then Kristen makes a great point about, you know, expanding that conversation into the areas that might highlight your expertise, right? Someone comes to us about a website, we uncover, well, we're really trying to get the business to grow. And we think the website's a big part of it. And our ability to be like, yeah, it is. But 
how are you doing in this area? Have you thought about this? What are you doing in this area? You know, what's been done historically to, to uh, close up this you know, hole in the system? And, you know, they may not have thought about those things. You're getting them to think about those things. There's value in that conversation. If they have thought about them, you're getting them to share with you their thoughts, which will help you inform the recommendations that you come back to them, to them with. So, um, there's a ton of data in, in your, there should be a ton of data in your technology. Your sales rep should be leveraging this intent signaling data that, that is represented in almost all good marketing automation platforms that are connected to CRM. So, you know, having that marketing information connected to your CRM data is critical. If it's not connected, that ought to be something that's on your checklist to, to get connected and then train the sales reps on how to use this information to, to create a more compelling storyline and a better conversation. Anything you want to add to that? I just think you made a good point in terms of how to make friends at a party. Um, I think that that goes a long way in the sales process. Even if you sell a product and you 100% know that this person coming to your product is going to solve the, the their, their issue, you don't even need to discuss it because you you know the industry so well. Just taking the 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 tact of asking questions, sometimes asking the right questions within your area or showing expertise within an industry can be just as powerful as telling, if not more, because you are connecting with them in a more conversational way. You're interested in you're interested in what they are bringing to the table because many times people will think like, I have a very unique problem, even if you know it's not a very unique problem because you see it over and over again, mm -hmm. just allowing them to tell you the problem, just like we do when we go to the doctor, right? Wanting to, the, I just want the doctor to listen to me, even though yep. the doctor's probably seen my shoulder case a hundred additional times. I want to yes. feel like you really did listen to me and listen to all my unique symptoms and took the right approach to that. So I, I think that it's such just a nuance to how you engage in, in conversation in the sales process, but really making sure you have a nice mix of asking questions, engaging, and then telling and saying, yes, I, I do know the solution to this. Yeah, agreed. That's a really good point. Um, you know, the show's called What's Wrong With Revenue? And I think lots of times people jump to the end of the sales process and, and identify that we're not closing enough deals right? We keep losing deals or we're not closing enough, a higher percentage of deals. You know, when, when they're asking what's wrong with revenue, I feel like that's a very easy way to uh, quantify a poor performing sales process. However, I think that it may be what's going on at the very end of the sales process, but it actually might be what's going on at every stage of the sales process. So I also think in addition to creating this great experience, you also have to track and measure the success of the entire sales process. How many in our, in, to use our vocabulary, how many discovery calls are getting executed every month? What percentage of those are going into diagnostic, right? Now, you know, that, that, not, that number is gonna be relative to every business, right? Some companies might expect a large number of first meetings to go to second meetings, um, in our case, we expect a small number of second meetings from first meetings because we we want to qualify out people who don't don't appreciate what we do. You know, when we're not talking to power, people who maybe aren't a great fit for the kind of help we provide clients. We want to 
be only working with those people that are a, a good fit. So in our case, we have a relatively high rate of, of decline from first meeting to second meeting, and we're okay with that. I'm only pointing that out that in some businesses, you might not want that. You might want more qualified first meetings that go to second meeting, but you need to know what that conversion rate is regardless. You then need to know what the conversion rate is from your second meeting to your kind of proposal stage, right? How many uh, real good sales opportunities are we producing proposals for? And how many of those are actually getting presented? Like I, we, we don't like sending proposals without an opportunity to talk through them with prospects. So we won't just send you a proposal or we won't just send you our recommendations when people ask we basically say, well, it's not going to be the best way for you to understand what we're proposing here. We want to talk to you about it. We want to show you what we were thinking. We want to bring you into our thought process around why we're, we're, we're recommending these things for you. And it's a custom plan. So we want to be able to talk you through it. Again, you may not feel like that. You may feel like a proposal is fine. Send it out, get it signed, get the new customer. So regardless of what your process is, regardless of what your metrics are, you need to have the numbers for each of these phases so that you can benchmark your current performance, including close rate and including the length of that sales cycle. How long does it take you from first meeting to close? Those are that, That's an important metric also. When you start tracking these conversion numbers, you can start applying energy to these different stages to improve them. And what's really important here is not necessarily taking you from a 25% close rate to a 35% close rate, well, that would be good, but improving your conversion rate from first meeting to second meeting, improving your conversion rate from second meeting to proposal, including your uh, improving your conversion rate from a you know, proposal to final pitch meeting or recommendations meeting, including improving your close ratio, because there will be a compounding impact on that. You'll have more opportunities and a higher close rate as opposed to the same amount of opportunities and a higher close rate. It can dramatically improve your ability to generate revenue. And by having the metrics associated with this, it will dramatically improve your ability to scale revenue, to optimize your sales process so that it is even better. Hey, you know, we're 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 spending a lot of time with, sorry, we're spending a lot of time with references. In some cases, it's taking a couple weeks to check in with the client, give them the client contact, have the client and the prospect align their schedules, have them have the meeting, have them do that two or three times. Like that could take a couple of weeks. If you can cut that out, you can dramatically shorten your sales cycle. If you if you can see that that friction and then install a reference reel as an example and eliminate two weeks from your sales process, it can be dramatic. And again, if the conversion, if the close rate associated with that tool continues to improve, it's all, it's all good. So if the close rate doesn't, you may have to reshoot your reference reel. There could actually be something in the reference reel that is turning people off. Like, you know, having the data means you can act on the data. So Again, back to our technology conversation, you need a technology tool that will help you define the process, put it in black and white inside the tool and allow you to track the conversion rates all along the way so you can work on improving them all along the way.
anything to add. I don't know that I have anything necessary. Okay, good. I just wanted to give you a nice big pregnant pause there. So if you <laughs> wanted to yeah. pop in, you could. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how we use technology with clients to give them that insight so that they can, you know, identify those weak spots and work on them. Uh, well, it's, it's, in terms of technology, um, it's one working with, it's uh, going all the way back. It's adopt, right. First is adoption. Is your, is your entire sales team using the CRM the way they're supposed to be using it? Right. Because if you don't, you have inaccurate data and you're not properly tracking, you're not going to have true insights into what's going on. Uh, two, have you identified within the technology you, you have the, assuming that you have the process map correctly, um, do you have all the correct fields that you're filling in? Uh, have you uh, identified required fields that they can't close the, the, the contact record? What have you? Save it unless it is filled in to make sure that you are collecting the data that is going to give you the proper insights. Um, and uh, and then, you know, dashboards, right? So making after you've determined your data is good, uh, you have the right process established and you have the right field requirements and people are using the CRM as they should, then it's making sure that you're pulling, collecting the data in a way that is pulling out the key insights for you, right? So uh, dashboards, pulling the right data sources and making sure that your sales and marketing leaders have um, the visibility into the different stages and the areas where you know are touch points, it could be process related, but there are certain things that might be people related. And it's not to say that I can pinpoint to this person and they're doing a bad job, so they're out, but it is an opportunity to provide insights for coaching and training and to make sure that you're continually providing opportunities to train up your team. Um, so it's all those things that you want to think about when you're putting together your dashboards and identifying what information you do want to track. Yeah, you really touched on a lot of important points there. Number one, uh, I don't think we talk about this enough. I'm kind of encouraged HubSpot is talking about this more is the data. If you don't have good data, you're not going to likely have a good set of outcomes related to the sales process exercise. Uh, if there's missing data, if there's inaccurate data, you're going to have people making assumptions and potentially even embarrassing themselves in the sales process when they're looking at something and thinking things are one way when the reality is it's, it's another way, right? Oh, I, I understand you're the VP of operations. Oh, actually, no, that was a year ago. I'm actually now the VP of marketing. Like you guys should know that I would think, and you know, if I'm going to be your prospect, you should know who you're talking to. Um, you know, uh, such a good point. And, you know, we've spent more time with clients over the past year or so helping them with data. I think it's almost as if that's where you ought to start. I wish more clients started with data, but it's critical that you have good data, that you're comfortable with the data. You also can't have people, you know, second guessing the data. So, you know, if they're looking at something and they're like, no, we had a hundred diagnostic meetings, not 30, like that's not going to be productive either. So, you know, the, the data has to be accurate enough for everyone to feel like this is the single uh, source of truth in the company. And we're going to make decisions based on it. The other thing you mentioned that I think is very important too is um, setting up the dashboards and 
creating the system that supports action around the dashboards. So it's not really good enough just to track data and look at it. The, the data has to inform your decision making. So, you know, the last thing I want to really talk about here related to this is um, installing a process to continually improve your sales process based on data and feedback. And I think one of the challenges facing a lot of companies is we have the data. We think it's accurate enough to make decisions on. I don't think I've met a single company who felt like their data was perfect, amazing, no issues with our data. Pretty much everybody usually has something to say about their data. Like, oh, it's pretty good. It could be better. It might be the best we get. Or we went through a project a year ago and it's still pretty good. It might be the best we could get. I don't think I've ever heard anyone tell me it's perfect. You don't have to worry about it. So assuming the data is in good enough condition um, and we're getting the right dashboards from it and the right people are evaluating those dashboards, you still have to uncover the insights in that data. And sometimes that can be tricky. I think your ability to uncover those insights is going to be directly related to the amount of experience you have with the data, with the company, with the process. It almost more or less helps you interpret the data and identify those things that look odd, off, or, or could be doing better. Sometimes it requires you to kind of peel the onion back a little bit, like, okay, I'm looking at this dashboard, but let me go into this particular set of data and, and look at that a little more specifically. Let me look at a couple records. Let me look at a couple deals. Like, okay, I see what's going on now. Like they didn't get the right communication and the deal stalled. And it looks like this is happening kind of universally because we have a very low conversion rate at this stage in our sales process. And I don't even see a single rep who has a higher percentage, right? If you found a rep with a higher percentage, you could then go to the rep and be like, hey, what are you doing? Or you could look at the rep's deals and see that they're handling the sales process a little differently and having better success. Let's dig into that and see whether we can do some of those things across the board more universally so all the reps have success. That's going to take effort. That's where sales operations comes into play. That's where revenue operations comes into play. Somebody that can look at what you're doing, look at the data, ask questions, uncover insights, and then use those insights to inform an action plan. Hey, Kristen is killing it. Everyone else is not. I noticed that Kristen is using these tools a little differently. Her conversion rate is double what the other reps are. Let's try to do, uh, take what she's doing and get the other reps to do something similar, right? I think the chances of success there are very high when you have the data to support someone's success. It's not like she's getting lucky, you know, because if just because she's in her quota, and no one else's, you could say, oh, they like her better. You know, like, oh, she had a better, she has a better set of prospects. She's a better territory. Actually, no, she actually is executing the sales process more efficiently. And here's, here's how we know that. So, you know, she had just as many opportunities in just as many geographies with the same exact set of product offerings, you know? So it's not any of the things that you said it was, it's her ability to execute the process. Let Now let's figure out what that is and let's get everyone else doing the same thing. That's really pretty advanced stuff when you think about sales organizations. Most of the sales organizations I know do not operate like that. 
they're much more based on final data sets like quota attainment, you know, not necessarily performance inside the sales process. And I think a lot of sales organizations can benefit from a more scientific approach to this, like we're, we're uh, encouraging here. Yeah, just to, to go off that in terms of the approach and process and just going back to your initial point of, you know, we're in the B2B space and uh, we're dealing with long sales cycles and complex situations, right? So on on the on the, the flip side, like I, in my role to use, again, square two as an example, in my role, I might be participating in the process in the correct way in that I am going through the right steps, but it may then turn out as you have identified a problem with uh, the deals that I'm involved in and you start to then peel down and start to look at what the people are doing within the process, you might then start to see that I haven't been looking at the discovery call notes and I'm coming to the call, the diagnostic meeting cold and um, just asking them to start over instead of kind of telling them. So I understand that this is your issue. This is your problem. This is what you're trying to accomplish. And so therefore a lot of people are dropping off before recommendation because Clearly, they are thinking that Square Two does not have their um, their process together, and it's going to be a messy part that reflects the entire organization. Even though it just might be me that's not doing yeah. my job. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like to your point, long complex sales cycles have a lot of points of failure along the way, right? So many things can go wrong when you have that many touches and that many months or weeks, you know, associated with getting a deal done. You you really have to be tight in understanding where that point of failure is and and plugging it as as soon as you possibly can. So, again, this is where data, this is where visibility, this is where defined sales process helps sales professionals uncover those places where uh, the process might be breaking down. And then go back in and build it up so that you don't lose the deal there, right? Um, you know, also, look, let's face it, this is a people-managed process, right? So, you know, if you do have a process and there are metrics associated with it, and it is kind of running in a fairly repeatable way, and you notice that one person is having trouble with it, you know, I think that is an opportunity to, to, to look at the person, Right. Everyone else seems to be having success with this. Look at the data on the performance of all these other people. But this one person here is struggling. You know, it doesn't seem like it's the process. It seems like it's the person. So do we want to try to invest in them and train them up? Or do we want to move them on and bring somebody else in? Have we created enough efficiencies in our sales process that we can handle the amount of flow, uh, 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 throughput with one less person? You know, we used to hear this fairly frequently if I want to grow, I have to hire more salespeople. And today we hear it more frequently. I'd like to do more revenue with the same amount of salespeople, right? So they're looking for efficiencies in the sales organization. They're not necessarily looking to hire more people to, to, to make more calls and to make more appointments and to, you know, just, just do more. They're, they're trying to be smarter about it. They're trying to create a scalable process. And I think in 2022 and 2023, it's, it's really the right approach to, to look at sales more scientifically, um, use data and, and, and overlay this idea of a remarkable experience. I think you're gonna really enjoy the benefits of that kind of approach. Anything you wanna comment before I wrap us up? I don't think so. 
Awesome. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your input. Your perspective is unique in this sales conversation. And I think you gave us a lot to think about. Um, you know, I really neglected this at the top of the show. So uh, my apologies, but like always, the show is on the Square Two Marketing YouTube channel. If you're interested in watching it there, head on over to our channel, like us, subscribe, leave comments. We really appreciate when people give us feedback on the show. Um, the show is also going to be on Square Two, uh, Square Two's uh, free streaming service, Square Two Plus. You can find that at uh, www.square2marketing.com backslash Square Two P-L-U-S. All of our audio and video content is there. You can subscribe to Square Two Plus just like you subscribe to Netflix. And every time we uh, put something new up, you'll get notified and be able to take a look at it. We have content for CEOs, CEOs, CROs, CMOs. Almost anybody with a C in their title can find a specific channel for them. We also have a decent amount of technology content related to HubSpot, one of our big technology partners. So if you're looking for some tips on HubSpot, you can head on over to Square Two Plus also. If you like the show and you want to subscribe to the show specifically, you can go to a link at the bottom of our website called What's Wrong With Revenue? where you will see the latest shows. You can subscribe to the show there. You can even submit some questions. I haven't been answering questions over the past couple of shows, but maybe I'll get back to doing a couple of questions going forward. Uh, so if you have a question about an upcoming topic uh, and you subscribe to the show, we will email you as to the upcoming topic. We will send you a uh, link to the show on Thursday mornings. You'll be able to come live to the show if you're interested every Wednesday at four. And like I said, you can submit a question and we will answer it. If you're into audio content, the show is on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and I'm sure many others. So if you like audio content or you want to listen to the show in podcast format, go check it out there. Thanks everybody for joining us today as we talked about sales process and creating a remarkable sales process. Kristen, thanks for being my guest. You did an awesome job and everybody have a really good Wednesday and we'll talk to you all next week.